I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Century Club and very excited because we're meeting up with the team from Paleo Ridge talking about the expansion of the raw food market. Hi everybody, thank you so much for coming up all the way from Hampshire today to record this podcast. So Tyler Daly, explain your role at Paleo Ridge. Uh, so I'm CEO at Paleo Ridge, I uh, have been for four years, just, just did my four year anniversary. Um, so yeah, I've, I've run the company for the time that I've been there. Wow, amazing. And Esther? Um, I am the customer services and marketing supervisor, but I'm also moving into content, so creating uh, content for our website, um, articles and heading up our customer services team as well. Gosh. Busy. Yeah, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> and Will Green. Yeah. Um, so I'm head of sales and marketing. Um, so um, as a growing business, there's a lot on my plate at the moment. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that because yes. um, it's so fabulous that you are um, a dedicated raw provider. So, you know, that's something I'm quite finicky about, really. Um, you're not trying to be all things to all people. You know, I'm super passionate about feeding dogs raw, as all the latest science that's coming out actually is pointing towards raw as being, you know, a lot better than many other types of processed food. But tell me, Tyler, what was the inspiration behind Paleo Ridge? Yeah, no problem. I mean, to be honest, it came around the same way um, that we find a lot of customers come to us, which is uh, a sick dog. So our family dog, um, our first dog, Herbie, um, went lame one day, and we found that after taking him to the vet that it was bone cancer, um, so osteosarcoma. The vet had a you know, pretty poor prognosis for him, said that it was, you know, he'd have maybe a year to live or so. Um, and after a lot of research that my mum did, um, she essentially changed his diet post-surgery, so we decided to have you know, one of his legs uh, amputated, um, changed his diet, and it completely changed him. You know, and that was really where it, where it started. You know, he went to live on for another seven years, died of old age in the end, um, and that's really how the company was, was, you know, kind of came about as an idea. So we've got a lot of big dogs, uh, the family has, um, Ridgebacks, Rhodesian Ridgebacks, you know, they eat a lot of food. Um, so yes. she started, <laughs> she, is, she started, you know, going around to, um, you know, abattoirs herself and actually sourcing the materials, um, you know, doing more and more research over time formulating the meals herself and then you know it turns into family and friends that then turns into you know friends of friends and then you know the business quickly starts um and you know we've been on a on a roller coaster ride since then you know of, of you know you know I, I, so I suppose you know the, the parts of the company that have made us us have always been there since day one you know like the ethical sourcing the environmentally friendly packaging um but there's of course been a lot of developments over the course of the last six or seven years Mm, in um, in terms of what exactly ingredients or uh, expansion of staff? <laughs> I think more yeah more expansion of staff. You know I think the ingredients um, when it comes to them the simpler the better. You know I really do. You know when it comes to the sourcing of those items, you know you can get more fancy, but you know a lot of the ingredients we're sourcing have, have not really changed. You know of course suppliers have changed, 
uh, and with that comes a lot of work. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably go into it into more detail, but we put an awful lot of focus on where we're buying our ingredients from because you know, for us, from from not only a nutritional point of view, but from a welfare point of view, that's everything. Absolutely. You know, we all know that grass-fed meats uh, are higher in nutrients, um, so you know that's our focus as well yeah. as obviously the welfare that goes with it. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that. But in, in terms of your ingredients, you know, feeding raw, you know, Will, explain really why, from your perspective, uh, a species-appropriate diet is really the way to optimise your dog's health, as Tyler was saying. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, obviously, um, uh, I think, like, organically, the um, company started from, from um, some research that uh, Sharon did, Tyler's, Tyler's mum. Um, but the more we research, we find there's the, there's the prey model where um, uh, the ingredients come from what you know dogs would have eaten way back, you know, thousands of years ago in the wild, and um, that there's there's three main bits of research that led to the 80-10-10 diet, and the 80-10 diet 10 diet is 80% um, meat, 10% bone, 10% offal, um, and that's the basis of all of our core range. You know, not not the DIY. The DIY is the individual pieces, you know, the individual ingredients. Um, it's what we kind of promote as the best way to feed your dog. Um, so uh, uh, we've now called it our classics range. It used to be called our complete range. Right. That's what we mean by the 8 and 10. So. Yeah, I know. I love the classic range. Um, I'm feeding my gang on that at the moment. I particularly love it, actually, because it features lots of raw green tripe, um, which is, well, my, my favourite ingredient, actually, and um, something I've fed my dogs for over 20 years, which kind of dates me a bit. But Because um, that's the thing, you see, way back in 2002, it was really not easy to feed your dog raw if you wanted to. And there were only two suppliers of all green tripe then. So, you know, it's wonderful that there is now more choice. Explain then, Esther, I know you're a fan of raw green tripe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so why is this so important to add this into your classic range? So tripe is incredibly important just for dogs of all ages, especially puppies and, and dogs who are starting out on raw as well. Um, tripe is classed as a superfood and it's very good for the digestive system because it does contain digestive enzymes um, which improve the health of the gut and the dog overall as well. Um, it's got a great balance of omega-3 and omega-6 as well which is again which makes it a superfood um, but ultimately dogs who are transitioning over to raw from a processed food diet it can actually help to rebalance the gut um, by making the stomach acid uh, more acidic rather than alkaline, which is what a lot of processed foods do. Sure, no, it's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's this, it's this um, pH that I think, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't understand. You know, for me, I always say that the digestive system of a dog is the aspect of the dog that is the main difference between us and them. It's got nothing to do with the fact they walk on four feet and covered in fur. It is the digestive tract, you know, and, and yet so many food suppliers market their food as having human-grade ingredients, which, yes, is good, um, but we mustn't lose, you know, sight of the fact that we are feeding a dog. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. I mean, and, and Tyler, so... On that, you know, there's been a lot of research lately in humans, but also more and more in dogs, about this thing called the microbiome and how it's almost like an organ in, in itself now. We're learning so much more and about how it basically affects your brain, you know, like the gut is like the second brain, but it affects 
so much of the cellular energy in your dog's body. So explain, you know, A, how Raw Green Tribe can help with that, but but how research like that is also at the centre of Paleo Ring. Yeah, totally. So um, yeah, from a you know research point of view, that's kind of like the... Uh, you know the starting block of everything that we've done obviously you know from creating new meals to creating the meals that, that already exist you know in terms of the microbiome um, we were actually having a conversation in the car on the way up you know mm. it's, it's starting to be thought of as kind of like um, the second brain of the body you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know the, what you are what you eat and that really feeds into um, you know what that does to help your body you know one, one obviously dogs that are transitioning over from you know unhealthy processed diets uh, but two into you know how your dog behaves you know and a lot of people that have transitioned onto to raw dog food full stop find that there's a huge change in behaviour that comes with it. So, you Isn't know, that the dog interesting? Is, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. You know, I suppose it makes sense. You know, as we all know, if you eat a packet of chocolate biscuits, you're going to be bouncing yeah. around, <laughs> feeling pretty up, and then you're going to crash. And that's obviously totally. the same in dogs, right? Yeah, yeah and it, you know, it's it's it's. Horrible to think that you know dogs that eat a processed diet all the time are having to do that day in day out. You know, there's a lot of people in raw and kind of the research that we do talk about. It's like eating McDonald's day in day out, and imagine what that would do to you as a human. Um, you know, you're doing that to your dog. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's extraordinary. So I mean, I think behaviorally at the moment, you know, we're seeing the, the pandemic, you know, fallout really with all of the puppy boom, and I think so many people through inexperience and, uh, you know, aren't recognising certain behaviour problems and then are thinking, gosh, you're a weird dog and they're reselling them online and abandoning them left, right and centre. So, I mean, arguably, if you're nourishing from within with diet, Will, don't you think it it Mm, could be possible to minimise, you know, rehomes and dogs in rescue? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, um, as you said, you know, there's um, we've had this puppy boom. We've had uh, we've got more dogs in the country than we have ever had. Mm. The um, the uh, dog food market was growing at a hundred million a year before the puppy boom. Yeah, that's the point. How much is it worth now in the UK? The pet um, the pet the food, food industry is around like, uh, around about three billion. Um, but um, we wait. We're actually waiting for the latest figures. Right. So this is kind of based on last year, and we know that since last year there's been a, a continual um, puppy boom. Is that just in the UK? Three billion. Um, three billion in the UK. Yeah. That's right. For yeah. So it's about, about yeah about three billion, two point nine billion. Just for food. Just for pet food. Yeah. So gosh, what's I've lost touch. What is the total value then for things if you include beds and collars and leads and? I think. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, food is the is the higher is the biggest chunk of of the of that kind of market. I think the next um, biggest area is is, is vet, veterinary. Yeah. Um, and um, and then you've got more mis- miscellaneous like toys and treats. Sure, sure, sure. And what slice of that three billion then does Raw represent at the moment? It's quite debatable, I think. Um, uh, it's the difficulty is is that it's a really fast growing industry. Um, if you, in fact, if you look at things like Google Trends, mm. you see the searches for for um, raw dog food are, are double any other type of dog food. Yet we know it's you know arguably anywhere from eight to ten to f- some people say fifteen percent of the, the dog food market, but um, it's really hard to measure given that you're co- it's constantly growing, um, mm. and we're we're measuring ourselves in a market that's growing in an industry that's growing, so it's really difficult yeah. to measure. Yeah, yeah, Tyler, what what would you say to that? You know, because there are, yeah. there are loads more brands. I mean, the market for me, I suppose changed in 2009 when there were only three players 
that uh, decided to launch the complete balanced raw frozen option, which was kind of hailed as this massive step. And since then, of course, there's so many more firms, which is fabulous. You know, we need them. You know, one firm I don't think could feed the 11 million dogs that we've got, you know. But it's interesting because you've just fed, I think, am I right, your fifth million dog? Four million. Four million. Four million. million. Won't do long before it's five. Absolutely. That's a great milestone. It is. You know, it's huge for us. You know, it's our mission and what we're out there to achieve, you know, is to change dogs onto a healthier diet. You know, I I do certainly agree with Will, you know, in terms of his kind of market valuation. Um, I think, you know, it's a very tricky number to get because there are a lot of very small companies, Mm. you know, companies that start out um, and remain, you know, like, as I mentioned, we were when we started, you know, it's a feeding friends, families and, you know, your local community. And there are hundreds of brands like that. You know, we um, did a piece of research a few years ago and looked at the number of licenses, um, you have to have a license to produce pet food, the number of licenses that had been issued over the course of the years. And it, you know, it's, it's like doubling, doubling, doubling each year, you know, so it's a huge amount. And for that reason, it does become difficult to value the market for those kind of smaller players, um, you know, because they might be, you know, sole traders, for example, they might not be actually uh, set up established businesses. Um, and there are lots of parts that go in that, you know, we, we can go into more detail, um, but um, there are also risks, I think, that come inherently with that. You what, know? With smaller firms? I believe so, yeah. I get what you mean. You want, I know for myself, I want peace of mind and reassurance that, you know, the food's being made locally for sure because you never know and that you you know feel that the people behind the product are genuine I, I you know I do get the feeling that there's firms that are jumping on this yeah of course you know from such a growing industry you can imagine people are, are going to look at that and, and see money signs um you know and, and it's it's obviously hard to differentiate from a customer's point of view you know because yeah often you're going to believe what you're being told um you know for us it really comes down to what we've tried to achieve ourselves. you know for our business you know we're just trying to go out there and get as many independently um certified accreditations as possible which means you know we're being audited regularly we're keeping our standard um of food manufacture very high um and even something you know i'll, I'll lead on to which is you know we're actually at the moment developing in conjunction with another raw pet food company and the RFVS, the raw Fe- uh, feeding veterinary society yes a standard that's just for uh, raw food itself that's interesting. No, I love the the RV. RV, yes. Because it's a bit like yes. the um, RCVS, you know, but obviously it's not that at all. Because it's interesting, you know, on a bigger picture. We know that, you know, the NHS is telling us, look, eat fresh, uh, eat less sugar, because there's a lot of diabetes, there's a lot of arthritis, we're talking in the human population, and of course obesity. But these same things, conditions, are really affecting our dogs now. And back in James Herriot's day, I don't think dogs got diabetes, to be honest, you know, so it's kind of really sad. But, but why do you think vets are still prescribing prescription diets so much? Um, you know, I think it comes into two places. I think education's a big part of it. You know, there are a lot of, um, you know, I only get to see a very tiny window through, you know, from being associated with the RFVS, you know, and speaking to a lot of the vets that are behind that. Um, I think a huge part of it comes to education. I honestly think that for a good portion of the, the you know, the total UK we're talking about, um, they don't know. You know, they go to university. Um, and I would say, unfortunately, you know, those, the programs that hit nutrition are funded by 
um, companies that produce the processed foods. Um, you know, and, that, and that's a fact. You know, and, and with that in mind, um, I think for a portion of it, they're ignorant to the facts of, of what um, nutrition for dogs is actually about. You know, they're, they're following that model that you know because a dog can um, you know, can potentially process a carbohydrate, that they should eat that. And I think there's a difference between that and what's good for a dog. Um, well, there is this whole school of saying, claiming, you know, research in, in the papers saying, you know, dogs are omnivores. Um, but, you know, actually, um, there isn't any evidence really to at all claim that. We're omnivores, and so are chimpanzees, our closest, you know, wild relative. So if the wolf is the closest relative to the dog, you know, they have no amylase, this starch enzyme in their digestive system. Dogs, yes, have a little, but enough to qualify them as an omnivore. I find that extraordinary. What do you think, Will? Um, well, I think we'll go back to the research that um, uh, I was talking about earlier. With um, uh, There's uh, some research into dingoes, um, obviously, yeah. uh, very close to, um, to dogs, but wild. Um, and the, there was, um, you know, they, they predominantly have the ace and ten diet, um, but there is some um, organic material that they they, they eat and that tends to be from the stomach of the animal, it's the prey that they're eating. So, which is already being happened. So, um, when that prey yeah, animal, it's has, well, yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's tripe, but that, that animal has um start to digest that, yeah, already. So, yes, the, the amylase of the prey already been yeah, broken exactly. down, yeah, because yeah. mm. yeah, herbivores do obviously pro- uh, possess amylase, they're breaking it down, eating that, and then obviously, you know, a predator, a carnivore is going to eat a herbivore and then they're going to get the nutrients from that. That's it. I guess that's why, you know, you'll, you always see on an Attenborough documentary, <laughs> you'll see a zebra with its legs in the air, poor thing, you know, and the lion's going, and eating, <laughs> yeah. eating the tummy of yeah, it, you know. Exactly that. That's yeah. nature. Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly that's, that. and, and I guess, you know, it's the same thing, you know, you look at a dog's set of teeth, even little Mr. Binks here, who I must say has been fed on raw ever since I rehomed him seven and a half years ago. And um, he's got some good teeth on him, to be fair, for one so small, um, going back to his ancient ratting days, you know. And he, he, you know, he loves raw. He loves a raw bone. It proves small dogs eat raw too. Absolutely, absolutely. In terms of this omnivore thing, though, it is leading to a lot of marketing and trends like vegan dogs. Mm-hmm. Esther, what do you think of that? Yes. Um, I mean, we're not here to sort of, you know, um, berate anybody, but no. it, it's here to help and educate. That's yeah, the, uh, the whole aim of a dog's life. And I think there is there's a massive movement at the moment with you know uh, humans going vegan, which is great because you know I, I fully support you know, the the vegan movement with humans, but when it comes to dogs, I think we have to remember that they are completely different to us. Um, You know, feeding a dog on a vegan diet is not actually giving it what it needs. Um, Dogs need, well, they're carnivores, so they need meat in their diet, they need bones to keep their teeth healthy. Um, Whereas, yeah, I mean, we we thrive on, on vegan diets because we're built to eat vegetables and have plant-based foods which is which is great but we need to remember that what we necessarily feed ourselves is not just because it's convenient for us maybe to feed them um you know they they do actually need something different to what we have so it's, it's just thinking outside the box and actually thinking about they do have a completely different digestive tract to what we do so they will process foods differently and i think to, to add on to that as well is that um 
is that that um, then tends to support people feeding synthetic um, supplements, which are not as um, uh, bioavailable to the to the um, to the dogs. Yeah, no, exactly. And is it fair to feed a dog on a bowl of vegetables with loads and loads of um, very ultra-processed supplements? You know, which they're all heat produced as well. These yeah. supplements. It kind of if if a vegan oh no is thinking, oh, my dog must be vegan, so I must save the planet. Mm. Actually, looking at it in more detail, they're actually harming the planet more than say feeding a raw diet from you guys because the vegan foods are highly processed in themselves and, and made in a very intense heat process which is of course creating carbon. Is yeah. that right Tyler? Yeah, I mean you know, we've obviously got to remember that the, the raw feeding um, world Although people buy, um, you, know, you mentioned just now that people you know, sell their food as you know, having human-grade ingredients, um, you know, abattoirs are not you know, slaughtering animals for, for the pet food market. You know, they're doing it for, um, for the human food market. You know, so I think you know, for a long time, you know, you know, even just ourselves and the rest of the people that have been processing raw uh, understand that most of the time, a lot of the you know, tripe, for example, I remember a day when you know abattoirs were putting tripe in the bin, which is so unfortunate when you think of you know the respect that you should give that animal in using all of the parts of it, um, and the fact that we can do that with raw food, I think you know always is almost countered to to as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, and indeed, you know, ethical farming um, isn't derogatory to the planet if it's done properly. I mean, we need to have the hedgerows and the biodiversity for the ecosystem, which you know I always think great big fields just full of crops. They're very barren and um, you know, when I lived in Buckinghamshire I lived behind um, some crop fields and they were so tightly packed together, they, they weren't organic, uh, I couldn't even walk down there in the time when they were spraying them for fear of you know contamination <laughs> to my dog Molly at the time and Binks. Mr Binks lived in Buckinghamshire for um, a year, didn't he Binks? <laughs> yes, he did. Um, so there's all of that to, to think about. I agree. We went to look at one of these, um, one of our farms recently, we went for a visit and um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, they're leaving huge margins of hedgerows, you know, they're not touching them, um, the way they rotate the fields um, over the course of, uh, you know, I think three or four years it is you know they're leaving big margins and they're planting certain um you know flowers wildflowers in there that attract uh, you know a diversity of wildlife uh, and i think you know as an example they're doing it right yeah 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 i mean it is kind of you know nature's way isn't it it's i always think it's the order of things and and for us as well i mean i'm I'm vegetarian, you know, I know dairy is supposed to be this awful thing, but my vet actually is in Shropshire, she runs an organic dairy farm, it's an extraordinary place, I just wish in a way she was closer, um, and she's a holistic vet, totally integrated practice, so she you know, can prescribe your antibiotics and your painkillers as well. But um, this organic farm is amazing. It's like 300 years old, all crumply and beautiful brick and so much land. It's all organic. And, she, you know, she's so into animal welfare, but it also is so against this vegan movement. Um, she's all about the soil. And there is this whole... Um, holistic picture really that animals like cows and sheep have trodden our planet probably before we were around you know and 
So this is perhaps where something's going wrong. So with paleo, are you organic at all? What's your view on or organic stroke ethical in terms of you know, meat quality? Yeah, um, so we do have an organic license. You know, it's something that we got uh, 2018. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's something that we felt um, important for us as a brand. Um, you know, we don't sell uh, you know a huge range of organic actual products themselves. I think we sell four in total. Oh gosh. Um, that are certified organic, so we buy them from obviously you know we've got to make sure we're buying them from an organic source. Uh, that we're coming them in, we're controlling them in a certain fashion, and we're audited against that every year. So we've held that I think for uh, three years. Three to four years. Oh, actually, because I was talking to Barbara Jones of the Oakwood Practice in Shropshire yesterday, um, saying about Paleo Ridge, and she asked if you were organic. So I'm going to get back to her and say that you are. Yeah. yeah. There's other parts of that as well. Like, um, although you know we don't sell, um, say for like a a beef product of ours, uh, you know the beef is is outdoor red grass fed, um, but all of the chicken and all of our products, you know, regardless of whether they are organic certified or not, is organic. You know, right. So there's lots of parts of that. I won't go, you know, I won't go into all the no, detail. No, but no, no, yeah. no. Amazing. I mean, you you know, nutrition is a constantly evolving field, which is why it's so interesting, really. I know Esther, you're going on to do a lot of study, I yeah. believe. Something that interests me is, as a nutritionist, I often get asked about pancreatitis and fat and how a raw diet really you know is not suitable for a dog with pancreatitis what would you say to that Esther? Um, I would say that um, dogs who are suffering any sort of health conditions moving over to a raw diet is is advised just because it gives an, an instant immune boost and um, all those natural vitamins everything you know is is well suited to the dog and just getting rid of processed foods can do wonders for these sorts of conditions as well but pancreatitis um, feeding a low fat diet is recommended anything less than 10% so we do actually have a low fat range um, on which you can filter on our website and we've got some as low as four and five percent some meals so we do actually get a lot of dogs um, coming to us who do have pancreatitis and never fed raw before um, move over to the low fat range and they do thrive on it so it does do some wonders and then you've got the feeding pancreas for pancreatitis as well um, which can be beneficial so one of our products which is the pork and apple contains pancreas it's only five percent fat so we do recommend that a lot for yeah dogs suffering with the condition and you do white fish i think yeah. as yeah. a separate um, mints that can then you have your DIY range which yes. I think is amazing you know to tailor for different conditions I know kidney disease you know you've got to keep the, the phosphorus very low so red meat like lamb or beef can be a bit heavy on the phosphorus side so you know combining something like white fish with some raw green tripe you can do that through your, your site can't you Will? Absolutely yeah yeah and I think um, we spent a lot we, the, so the site's fairly new well fairly new it was launched in March this year um, oh. so we put a lot of time and effort into uh, the filter on the website because we know again like Esther said earlier that a lot of people move to raw when there's a condition um, and it's kind of one of those unfortunate things that people are finding raw because they're trying to find a, a way to deal with the condition um, and uh, so the filter we put together um, has all sorts of things like um, uh, you know finding single protein um, meals 
And that's one of the things that's great about the DIY range is because you know it's going to be a single protein because it's like a you know like an individual type of item. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. People can put that together and they can make their own eight to ten ten with the um, with the products that we offer on there. So that's one of the benefits of uh, of DIY really. Um, plus, it can be quite fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Meal prepping. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got your um, I, I've, I've yet to try it, but I can't wait. Called Berry Good. Yes. How very good is very good. It is very good. <laughs> is it very? <laughs> Tyler, so what's in your very good? Um, so uh, it's got uh, broccoli, kale, um, green mussel, uh, seaweed, hemp seed, blackberries, and blueberries. Wow. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, so, so can humans have that? Uh, no, we won't, we won't sell it to humans. Right, um, okay. Just because obviously... No, 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 but yes, no, okay, no. Um, but in terms of what's in it, you know, the ingredients themselves Yeah, are, it sounds... Well, yeah. I'd like to have every morning in, yeah. a, in a smoothie, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know, when we developed it, we it was developed at the same time as the Paleo Plus range, uh, back in late 2019. And, you know, part of that was trying to find which ingredients we can put together that we can still stand behind and keep our kind of ethos as a company. You know, we don't want to get too far stretched away from what a dog would really eat. Mm, you know, mm. so, you know, a lot of, um, you'll, you'll see in a lot of foods that are trying to kind of get this um, balance that they use oils. You know, we really don't want to use an oil because again, that's a, it's a little far stretched for me, uh, you know, and from my nutritional background on what mm. we believe would be in there. So and that's right. There's a lot of research out there that uh, fish oils are yeah. so full of um, free radicals exactly. that it counters any benefit at all of actually taking. Exactly that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, you know, and, and for us, you know, that, that led into a huge amount of research um, to find what can we put in the food that gets, for example, I think this was a vitamin E we were looking for from an oil, uh, and that turned into, you know, hemp seed, you know, mm. it was, was very, you know, it was packed with vitamin E, but something that we could put in um, that kind of hit that mark for us, so. Massive immune boosting, um, mm. and of course it binds fats and yeah. then turns them into a digestible source, vitamin E, it's so important. And that's why I eat lots of almonds, but, you know, I wouldn't expect my dogs to eat almonds, <laughs> really. You know, you, you support a variety of campaigns as well at Paleo Ridge, which, which I love, that really, I think, mirror the ethics that I hope is, are coming over in this conversation. Explain that a little bit more. Will, go on, sales and Absolutely. marketing. Go, yeah, go. of course, yeah, this is my thing. Um, so... Um, well, firstly, I'll say that um, any kind of certification and accreditation, um, for one thing, is is not necessarily what we're aiming for. It's just a kind of a, it helps to uh, justify that we're on the right route. You know, so we don't do what we do to try and get a certification. But we do what we do, and um, certifications are a validation of that along the way. Um, but we're like really proud to to work with some of the um, uh, you know NGOs that we work with, and uh, we mentioned the RFS earlier, and I got that right, I think. Um, uh, we support their campaigns. Um, you know, we we they're, they're a great resource um, for us, and you know, um, uh, it's great for, it's for someone like Esther to learn from as well. You know, so it's a, it's kind of a really nice forum um, for us. Um, recently, we've been uh, supporting the Hounded campaign, um, which is the against uh, well, so it's to, to ban the use of dogs in animal testing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so people don't talk about that, yeah. and I I saw that, and I I love that cause beagles. You oh. know, yeah. when I was young, a long time ago, they were making beagles smoke. You know, they were doing tests, and oh. and I remember going. It was all on the main main news, and I, Dad, Dad, we've got to have a beagle. We've got to save mm. these beagles. I remember yeah. this vividly. Utterly ridiculous. It is, yeah, and I think. 
Yeah, that's so we're we're actively supporting that at, at the moment. We've uh, Esther's written a brilliant article on there um, as well, so it's on the website, and we're trying to support them, you know, through social media and also. Yeah. So, um, we definitely definitely recommend anyone, you know, they, I think they have a petition that you can sign. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of have um, some kind of other areas that we don't necessarily always shout, shout about. So we um, we have a number of sponsorship accounts. So we have a fire invi- investigation dog um, called Kai, who's really cool. Um, great photos and a great Twitter account to follow as well. Um, they, um, yeah, he, he actually they take him in to investigate, um, you know, uh, potential arsons. Right, so, so like a forensic. Exactly that, Gosh. yeah. Um, and we sponsor uh, military working dogs as well, which is great. Um, sometimes, if we have a you know a bit of a surplus of food, work, or even if we don't, we will send them to shelters as well. Um, so we have a number of different shelters that we donate food to. Um, and I guess you know you could probably say we should chat about it more, but it doesn't to us that we do it because we want to do it. We don't yeah. do it just for the it's not for the publicity or anything. Um, no, that's great, and it's yeah. so important not to waste anything as well. And so, and I think it's really great, you know, as well for some of the bigger charities to see Raw, you know, because I guess Esther on the customer services end of, of the phone, you know, um, you must get some, do you get some strange questions about, you know, um, switching onto Raw or is it safe or... Um, yeah, raw meat. As soon as people hear about raw meat, they immediately think raw chicken, salmonella, bacteria, that's kind of the first first thing that people think of so we always reassure everybody that you know feeding raw is incredibly safe um, as long as you just follow the hygiene rules which is you know washing utensils washing your hands cleaning out your dog's bowls and just handling with care as well we always recommend to keep raw food in a sealed container in the bottom of the fridge so there's no risk of contamination you know just these little steps to follow is you know it makes it incredibly safe so that's probably the biggest question we get asked um, and also, is is it going to be nutritious enough? Because obviously, when you're used to feeding processed foods on the back of the packets, you've got the nutritional value. Um, and you know, for people who don't know about raw, it can be really it's it's new territory. It's scary for them. So we always reassure them about you know the food is natural. It's got natural vitamins and nutrients in it. And as long as you feed a, a good variety of different meats, you can't really go wrong. Um, dogs will get they'll gain different levels of nutrients from different animals so if you're feeding you know a selection of like five different meats um, it's going to be incredibly nutrient rich for them yeah yeah because that's the other thing you know um, on some you know processed foods it gives you a percentage of the protein for example but um, most of that is given from plants like you know rice or wheat or a maize um, or corn going back to I guess where we started about feeding a dog like a dog should be fed and not like you know I always say you'd never give your rabbit a steak you know, yeah. people would really think you'd lost it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, that's in a way what we're doing. Yeah, definitely. I think like, you know, feeding feeding biscuits as well, you know, dry foods um, is questionable um, as well, just because they're incredibly processed. So where they're heated, like you were talking about earlier, that depletes all the nutrients from them anyway. So they have to be synthetically added back in. And when they're synthetically added in, they're no way near as you know nutritious as a natural vitamin. So in reality, the dog's probably not getting as many nutrients feeding those sorts of foods as they would from raw. 
fresh food. Exactly. I guess it's that word, that term bioavailable, that's exactly. uh, big yeah. now in the nutrition field. So, um, well, it's food for thought, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I love it. Um, what, what are your plans? Anything, you know, percolating mm. that we could talk about? <laughs> you know, percolating. Sorry. I'll see you again there. Um, yeah, I mean, so we've, we've got obviously a lot of plans, as I think it also goes back to, um, you know, we're growing fast as a, as a business. Um, and it's Christmas coming up. It is Christmas coming up. We've got a, we've got a fan, fantastic Christmas product, which um, it's fair to say we, we, uh, we made about 150% of what we made last year and the demand has been uh, insane. It's been incredible. Um, so we, we know that, you know, um, the demand for raw food is going through. If people want to treat their dog at Christmas and I think people know that you know that they can that they, they trust Perennial Ridge and they trust um, you know raw to to be a real treat at Christmas so that that in particular that product's um, uh, done really well and we've also been doing some consumer research off the back of that as well into um, people's like feeding habits at, at, at Christmas the research is closing today um, so very soon we're going to have some facts and figures of you know um, all sorts of people how they treat their dogs at Christmas what treats do they have a stocking? All sorts of. Oh, fantastic! Looking forward to that. Yeah, no, gosh. Um, and then um, I think your your fantastic pun um, uh, on <laughs> cat food. Oh, right, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> um, but but that one in particular. So uh, cat food. At the moment, we know that um, a lot of people are feeding raw to their cats, and they they are feeding paleo rich to their, to their cats. Um, Again, it comes back to a filter on our website that uh, to help people find products that they could feed to their cats. Um, they, it, but it's worth saying, you know, these products are for dogs. Uh, we make them for dogs, um, and uh, that's what they're formulated for. We would love to do some um, some products for cats, but we would want to do that in the right way. Um, so we would want to do that, um, you know, and really follow. We have ISO nine thousand one, which is a quality management um, system, and. We would want to follow that process, which involves doing a lot of research to make sure that we're really, if we're saying this is appropriate for cats, we can say that with like assurance. So um, there, there is a process we want to follow for um, sure. products, but that is on the horizon. But something they're working on right now, which is quite exciting, and we haven't actually announced this anywhere else. So well, it's an exclusive. Um, <laughs> no, we love you know, a scoop. Oh yeah, here we go. Um, so we're developing a couple of treats at the moment. Um, so we will be um, looking to launch the treats. Um, hopefully uh, in the next couple of months. Um, that will be the start of a range of treats. Um, Amazing. But we're really excited about that because we, um, just a few details about them is we want them to be air dried, so they're not cooked. Um, that, uh, you know, the air drying process maintains a lot of the nutrients inside um, the, the product. Um, it's something that we'd like to, um, you know, explore more further. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a watch this space. Um, How exciting. No, it's yeah. a, because that's a good point, you see. A lot of people, you know, forget they might feel, feed raw for the meals, but then because, you know, treats are in your pocket, and you, you know, so you want a dry treat, but often those are biscuits, and then you're kind of, you know, um, unbalancing all the good you're doing with the meal times, really. Please let us know. I know Mr. Binks would love to oh, we'll be a key taster <laughs> for those. So amazing, amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. Tylo, wrap it up with a lovely closing statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just really appreciate you having us on here. You know, I think um, what you're doing is important, you know, especially, you know, being able to talk about raw, the way you push raw. 
uh, it's great, you know, getting it out and making it known about for as many people as possible is, is what we should be doing. Yeah, well, here's to that. Mm. Well, cheers. And uh, let's all look forward to a very lovely, raw 2022. Yeah, Thanks Thanks Thank you. Thank you. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, how interesting was it to learn about all of their super range. What's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. You better believe the hype about tripe. It's good for your dog. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to the team from Paleo Ridge for coming up to London today. Find out more about them in the show notes. Thanks also to Mike Hansen, my very patient producer. Find out more about Mike and his company, Pod People, at Pod People UK. And for more about me, I'm at Anna Web Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you guys subscribe now? It's free. And then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.